Hello, I'm Dr. George Simon, and welcome to another edition of the new Character Matters program. We've been discussing all things narcissism uh, in the past several programs, and this installment of the new Character Matters is part six of that discussion, episode seven of the program, part six of all about narcissism. Narcissism is a big topic these days, but there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of um, not uh, so much incorrect information as insufficient and somewhat misleading information out there. But one of the reasons why narcissism is such a popular topic is, as we've mentioned many times on this program, and as I first wrote about, in uh, all four of my books, uh, which you can uh, find on Amazon uh, or go to the website at drgeorgesimon.com. That's D-R-G-E-O-R-G-E-S-I-M-O-N.com and, uh, and find information on the books. But um, ever since uh, I began writing about these things uh, many years ago, uh, it's become more uh, common for folks to be aware. There's a lot more information out there. We've come to realize how prevalent the phenomenon that I call character disturbance is. You see, there are two kinds of uh, basic psychological issues that can afflict folks. One has to do with an abnormality that occurs in one's biochemistry uh, that causes um that causes a person to not be themselves anymore, uh, to not be able to function adaptively. Uh, maybe they lose touch even with reality. Uh, perhaps they succumb to an immobilizing depression. These things we know have a strong biochemical component, and they can occur completely on their own, or partly in response to stressors. But in any case, these kinds of conditions are not, uh, they don't have anything to do with the person's choice, basically. Uh, they're uh, abnormalities that simply occur and have to be addressed in a certain way. And when they are, then the person returns to a normal, uh, healthy level of functioning. But then there are other uh, kinds of problems that really have to do with how the person copes with everyday life, uh, the way they respond to stressors, the decisions they make, uh, and uh, the way they are uh, predisposed to interact uh, uh, with others and with the world at large. And uh, several things contribute to this. Part of that has to do with biology and some innate traits and predispositions, and part of it has to do with the circumstances under which somebody was raised or their early formative environment, the things that they experienced, any trauma that may have arrested their growth and development, etc. Uh, but in any case, uh, folks develop a style of coping that can itself be a problem. And even within that dimension of uh, human uh, 
dysfunction, if you will. Even within that dimension, uh, there are two types of what we call personality uh, disturbances. One uh, type has to do with what has been known for many, many, many years as neurosis, and that is um, a, a, a raging inner conflict with inside a person between uh, their basic instincts uh, and their conscience or their superego, demands of the world, what we learn about right and wrong, um, and the defenses that they build uh, with regard to uh, acting on any of their primal urges. Neurotic uh, personalities are easy to work with in a clinical setting, in uh, therapy. They're usually in a great deal of distress. Uh, we'll have a whole program about this at some point uh, in the near future. Uh, but uh, neurotic individuals, because they are in a lot of inner distress and because they really need to kind of emotionally unload on, on someone, uh, they will readily seek help because they're kind of miserable. Uh, and they're also receptive to the help they, they get because if they could figure things out on their own, if they were consciously aware of all that was going on within them that's causing them distress, they wouldn't need to visit with someone. Uh, so they only need a, a helpful, supportive atmosphere, a trusting relationship with a caring professional who could help them work through uh, their inner conflicts and insecurities and fears uh, that they haven't yet resolved and come to a better place in life. Then there are personality disturbances that are more rightfully called character disturbances. Character is that moral or ethical side of personality that reflects our internal moral compass. And unfortunately, there are individuals today, many more of them than there used to be for a lot of reasons uh, that we'll talk about perhaps in a future program. But for a lot of sociocultural reasons, there are individuals who don't form a solid enough, healthy enough uh, internal moral compass. Uh, they, they don't learn and internalize the hard lessons that they need to learn in order to function in a, in a pro-social manner, in a healthy pro-social manner. And as a result, their uh, relationships are kind of a mess. They tend to use and abuse within relationships, sometimes unwittingly, sometimes quite wittingly. But in any case, the problem is who the person is, not what has happened to them in the way of some kind of biochemical imbalance, but rather how the person wants to style themselves, how they want others to perceive them, the kind of person they want to be, the ways that they prefer to cope. These kinds of things define character disturbances, and they exist along a spectrum they exist actually along two different spectra, uh, one of type and the other of severity. So you can have relatively, relatively benign character disturbances, and you can have some very malignant ones. And that's what we've been talking about uh, in, the, in the last few episodes. And I've been uh, 
delving into the most malignant character disturbances, the most malignant kinds of narcissism that there are, generally expressed in what we have sometimes called sociopathy or psychopathy. Um, this is beyond mere antisocial behavior. And by antisocial, once again, we are not talking about the frequently misused uh, term antisocial, where people in common parlance talk about folks who are kind of standoffish or don't mingle. Uh, this is not being antisocial, even though that word has kind of come into common parlance that way. Antisocial has a clinical meaning. It refers to those folks who pit themselves against the major rules of society, frequently get in trouble with the law, end up as career criminals many times. And even these individuals are not necessarily psychopathic or sociopathic. There's a specific kind of narcissistic malignancy to these folks. And that is rooted in their empathy deficits and in their inflated self-image. I'll repeat, the two big factors there are their empathy deficits and their inflated sense of self. These are the two big factors. And along with that, along with that is necessarily, necessarily a severely impaired conscience. I'll repeat, a severely impaired conscience. In some cases, an absent conscience, no conscience whatsoever. These are the extreme cases. And these individuals are very, very different from most of us. Fortunately, they're not that common. However, there seem to be more of them than there used to be. And I don't think it's uh, useful to merely think of these folks as narcissistic, even malignantly so. Because there's a brand of narcissists that I call the aggressive personalities. There are several subcategories of these folks. They're more than just self-centered, self-seeking, self-aggrandizing. They're more than that. And they, they do more than hurt you simply because they don't care that much about whether they do. Pure narcissists are so concerned with themselves and their own wants and needs that they just, they just don't pay any attention to anybody else. Nobody else matters. Only they matter. But then there are narcissists whose way of dealing with the world is distinctively aggressive. These are the folks who fight hard for everything they want in life and leave bodies in the wake. They can do that because they don't care. They don't have the heart. They don't have the conscience to stop them. And they're predisposed to fight even when not necessary. These aggressive personalities set out to harm you. They set out to abuse you. They set out to exploit you. They can be extremely predatory in their behavior. There's a difference between the kind of victimization that occurs almost inadvertently, sometimes, 
with some self-centered personalities and deliberate predatory behavior. And when we're talking about psychopaths and sociopaths, the most malignant narcissists out there, whom I call the predatory aggressive personalities, they set out to victimize. They may set things up in a very, very careful way. And they use a variety of tactics to get the better of you. An archetypal example might be uh, the now infamous financial advisor, Bernie Madoff. He targeted folks, of course, who had money. You know, there's the old joke about, uh, I've forgotten now what, uh, what a two-bit bank robber it was that said this. Maybe it was Jesse James. I'm not sure. Uh, when asked uh, why he robbed banks, said, well, that's where the money is. You know, uh, these rabid power, greedy uh, wealth and power seekers will go where the money and power is. So uh, Bernie, in classic fashion, went where the money and power was. He went to the folks who could enrich him, and he uh, basically sold them a bill of goods intentionally and with purpose and heartlessly in the process depriving widows of their life savings without any compunction. So this is the archetypal example of the predatory kind of personality that I think is best described as predatory aggressive. And if you uh, read any of my books, especially my book, Character Disturbance, which talks about these kinds of personalities at length, and my other books too, In Sheep's Clothing, uh, that's another book that talks about these kinds of personalities and the kind of lighter version of this personality type that I call the covert aggressive. Um, that's uh, uh, the main focus of uh, In Sheep's Clothing. And my other two books as well, The Judas Syndrome and How Did We End Up Here? And I'm going to be giving it a whole lot of attention uh, in my upcoming new book, uh, tentatively titled Essentials for the Journey, Embracing and Living Out the Ten Commandments of Character. Sh should be ready to go to press in about two months. It's been a long time. I've been promising folks it's delivery for quite some time now, several years, as a matter of fact. It's hard to believe it's been that long, but it's... Uh, it's probably going to be my last uh, written uh, work, and uh, I've been taking special care with it uh, because I really want it to help make a difference, help uh, stem the tide of this rampant character dysfunction that is tearing us apart. It's tearing our families apart, tearing our communities apart, tearing the very fabric of our society and the world apart. You know, there's nothing really new under the sun. Human beings have always had tendencies uh, within them that can be very problematic. But we also developed social structures, family structures, and other structures to help us develop 
character to help us tame our baser instincts, to channel them, to be better than just pure beasts. We develop these structures and then we gradually watch them erode. And that's why we're in the predicament we're in. That's why so many relationships don't last, why so many marriages fall apart, why so many families dysfunction and are broken, and why so many communities are split, why the world is at the height of tension once again, because we let those structures erode. And in the process, the beasts in all of us are coming forward. That's one of the reasons why I'm working so fervently on my book, The Ten Commandments of Character. That's the subtitle, Embracing and Living the Ten Commandments of Character. In it will be all the essentials the life lessons that are absolutely crucial to developing a positive <laughs> sense of self so that in character, you can be one of those folks that's part of the solution instead of part of the problem. Character is not something that happens overnight. It takes a very deliberate, sustained effort and with the right kind of support the right kind of uh, community support, the right kind of family support, the right kind of institutional support, maybe even faith community support. It takes all kinds of support as well as intention and persistence and determination and purpose to forge a good character. So let's talk just a little bit more about one thing that I mentioned in the last program about uh, these most seriously malignant narcissists that I call in my books the predatory aggressors and that some have called psychopaths or sociopaths. Let's talk a little bit more about this dimension of compartmentalization. You know, I mentioned before that the two main factors uh, involved in this most malignant form of narcissism are uh, empathy deficits, and an inflated sense of self. And as a result of both of those, a markedly impaired or even absent conscience. But with respect to empathy deficits, we are talking once again about a spectrum phenomenon. There's a matter of degree with this. And what we know from ample research what we know is that some individuals who can be incredibly predatory also have the capacity for some degree of empathy, but they also disturbingly have a unique capacity to compartmentalize it or to wall it off mentally when they're operating in predatory mode. You see this, for example, in the, the person who for whatever reason, we don't really fully understand it, is inclined deviantly sexually toward the characteristics of immature individuals. 
and predatory pedophiles, many times, can be your next-door neighbor, can seem to be the perfect dad, could have warm relations that are not predatory, could have genuine feelings, would be absolutely distressed if a personal friend's child encountered misfortune or if their own child were sick or suffering in some way. So they have the capacity to feel. But when they spot an individual that they have an interest in, a deviant, unhealthy interest in, they can somehow turn off all feeling, even all feelings of possible regret or remorse. They can be cold when they need to be cold. And this is a disturbing characteristic. As I said earlier, fortunately, such individuals, such cold-hearted predators, or capable of being cold-hearted predators, are relatively rare. But all manner of character dysfunction is increasing in our day and time for a variety of sociocultural reasons. And that's why I do what I do. And that's why I've made clinical research and writing about it my life's mission. Knowledge is power. I want people to be informed. And as I mentioned, there's a lot of misinformation out there. You will hear folks touting statistics uh, these days. I've, I've read online articles where they'll say something like one in five individuals is a psychopath. This is crazy. This is crazy. There's no hard evidence of that. And besides, full-blown psychopathy, folks at the far end of the spectrum, folks with no conscience, no conscience whatsoever, no heart whatsoever, cold-blooded, cold-hearted predators, fortunately are relatively rare. But they exist. However, because character dysfunction exists along a spectrum, folks with those characteristics exist more plentifully. There are many more folks who, even though they wouldn't be rightly classified as a full-blown psychopath, are dangerous enough. And that's the problem that we're having today. And perhaps even a bigger problem than that is how few mental health professionals are savvy enough about these matters and have the tools and the equipment to deal with it. We're going to talk in another episode about the phenomenon of therapy-induced trauma. This is the trauma that someone who has been in a deceptive, manipulative relationship where they've been gaslighted by someone with a significant character disturbance but who has the charm and the manipulative skill and the impression management skill to present a convincing positive image. And therefore, uh, the, the person who was victimized in the relationship was duped in the first place, duped about their partner's real nature, and then only found out about it when it was already too late, when they'd been done in, when their bank account was cleared out when their children were abused, when they were abused, and the mask of civility was stripped away. And so when these folks go for help and the therapist is bamboozled 
or a successfully impression managed by a skillful impression manager. Then the person who went for help feels victimized all over again, traumatized all over again. Even worse, if the therapist operates within a model, uh, are, there, are, there are certain therapy models that see everyone within the family system as playing some role in its dysfunction. So if that's the model that the therapist is committed to, then the person who has been victimized feels like it's partly, the, the, the therapist can, without even half trying, invite them to feel like it's partly or even equally or maybe even mostly their fault that certain horrible things happened in the relationship. Talk about therapy-induced trauma. My goodness. Person goes for help and ends up feeling worse for the experience. So we have a two-fold problem. There are not enough informed professionals out there with either the knowledge set or the skill set to properly deal with the problem. Compounding that is a lot of misinformation that's out there. Hopefully, this program will serve as a resource, as my books do, and as the blog does, where you can find hundreds of articles. Just mosey on over to drgeorgesimon.com. That's www.drgeorgesimon.com or manipulative-people.com. Either URL will take you to the same place. Hundreds of free articles that can help inform you, uh, help equip you with the skill set necessary to get your life back on track, deal with the situation you've been dealing with. There's even a way to contact me for consultative services. And you can use that same feature uh, to send in questions that you want addressed on Character Matters. I'll be happy to address them. I'll have news for you soon about one of the live stream events. Uh, one of the Character Matters programs coming up real soon will be a live stream event where you can uh, call in direct uh, in real time uh, and have a discussion about the things that we talk about on this program. I'd like to focus on two uh, aspects of these most seriously malignant narcissists uh, that I haven't talked about yet, and that is uh, their pathological disregard for the truth, and the other is their near-delusional grandiosity. We know that there are two kinds of narcissists, two main kinds of narcissists. Uh, the more neurotic or a, a more benign type of narcissist, uh, that presents a, a, a facade of confidence uh, and capability that masks a lot of inner insecurity uh, and uh, a poor self-image, low self-esteem that they compensate for, uh, for with their braggadocio and with their bravado uh, sometimes. And then the grandiose type. These are folks who really do think they're all that. Um, they have a grandiose sense of self-importance. They set themselves above others. And it's not an act, and it's not a compensation for anything. It's not 
uh, a compensation for any underlying insecurity or low self-esteem. These folks genuinely overvalue themselves. They cannot even conceive of, let alone respect, a higher power, as it were. And as a result, as a result, they have a great deal of trouble reckoning faithfully with the truth, because the truth, the objective truth about anything, is the ultimate higher power, if you will. It's what challenges a person's grandiose sense of self, and it's what challenges a person's uh, wishful thinking with regard to reality. And with these really severely disturbed characters, reality is what they think it is. Uh, one famous researcher said, for them, thinking makes it so. What they say is true is true. Uh, in their own mind, and they want to make it so in your mind as well. This is one of the things that produces the gaslighting effect. And then uh, the other uh, aspect of, uh, of this most malignant uh, type of narcissism is this incredible grandiosity that borders on the delusional. Uh, these folks really do believe in their own greatness. Um, they consider themselves superior creatures. This is, by the way, what uh, gives them license in their own mind to pray, P-R-E-Y, on those they perceive as weaker or uh, inferior in some way. And uh, their sense of their own greatness can border on the delusional. Uh, as a famous researcher also once said, uh, they are truly legends in their own minds. Uh, and they're, they're not swayed by anyone else's opinion or any objective facts about their history. And we used to think that they employed unconsciously the defense mechanism of denial. Uh, and that's why they basically just couldn't see the truth. It, it, uh, their, uh, their whole uh, sense of self would be so... Uh, disturbed, they would experience so much anxiety, uh, we used to think that they unconsciously uh, put up denial mechanisms and, and just couldn't recognize the truth. Well, uh, these pathologically aggressive personalities, especially predatory aggressive personalities that I describe in my books, are at all-out war with the truth because it stands in the way. It's not like they don't know the truth. They just refuse to accept it, just like they refuse to accept a lot of things. They'll have their way, they'll have their say, and they kowtow to nothing and to no one. They respect no higher power. They can barely conceive of one because their sense of self is so pathologically inflated. And I'll have more to say about these two things uh, on the next edition of the New Character Matters. And I'm also going to be talking about uh, the pathological lying of these folks and how it differs from compulsive lying, uh, the kind of compulsive lying or habitual lying that some folks with more neurotic-like uh, character disturbances uh, 
uh, exhibit sometimes. You can find my books in sheep's clothing, character disturbance, how did we end up here, and the Judas syndrome, all on Amazon.com or any of the online booksellers or in your favorite bookstore. If they don't have it, they can certainly order it. I'm Dr. George Simon. See you on the next installment of the new Character Matters.